Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. So I see a lot of similarities in the two professions, and I've been able to really pull on my experiences as a CPA and the skills that you learn and develop in my role as commissioner. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest for this week's episode, Valerie Covey, County Commissioner for Williamson County in Central Texas. That's near the Austin area for those that are not from Texas. Valerie Covey came to us by referral from another guest in the Georgetown area, Dale Ross, the current mayor of Georgetown, who also happens to be a CPA. Valerie's a CPA and started her career as an accountant like the rest of us, but then through a set of positive influences on her life, she decided to run for county commissioner, one, and has been holding that office since 2006. Valerie takes her political role very seriously. You'll hear her reference trying to make a positive change a few times in the recording. I very much appreciated her being so open about her viewpoints, and I have to admit, I definitely vote for her. From the career standpoint, though, there's much to learn there as well. I think she gives us some good insight into what it means to serve the public and coming from the counting background at that. Without further ado, here's Valerie Covey of Georgetown, Texas. Well, hello, Valerie. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule for this podcast. I know our listeners are really going to appreciate it. Well, Mark, I'm glad to be with you today. Thank you for asking me. Oh, no problem. Well, I always ask our previous guest about suggestions for other guests that come from the accounting world and, you know, have an interesting background. And Dale Ross, the mayor there in Georgetown, who's also a CPA, suggested that I contact you. And I really find it interesting when people really from any walk of life make the decision to serve in public office, because I know it's certainly a major time commitment. But I guess I find it particularly interesting when it's a fellow accountant, because we're all so busy in the first place. I also saw that mental health issues are are one of your key areas of interest, and, and so I'm really curious to find out more about that as well. But before we get into the political side and and your political efforts, let's start at the beginning with your accounting career and, and sort of how that got started. How did you decide to even think about pursuing accounting? As a career well, in the first place. It's kind of interesting, Mark. I'm actually from a small town, Pleasanton, oh. just south of, of San Antonio. And I was in a chemistry class in high school. And my chemistry teacher suggested that, that I look at accounting. And I, had, I had not decided what I wanted to study. I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know what area to follow. And he said that it was a great profession for women 
and it would give me a lot of options. Uh, I could work for large or small firms or anything in between industry. I could hang my own shingle, and, and I could also work wherever I lived. And so I, I took that to heart. I, I enjoyed math, and I pursued that. I actually went to school in, in Shriner first uh, in Kerrville. It was a junior college at the time. Now it's a four-year university and play basketball there. And so then I went to UT in Austin. That's where I had intended to go originally, but then kind of did a sidetrack there to, to Shriner because I wanted to play basketball a couple more years and got my accounting degree at UT Austin and passed my CPA exam there that May and then was fortunate to be able to stay in Austin. I had interviewed with different firms around the state and chose to work for Ernst & Winnie at the time, which became Ernst & Young while I was there. That was a wonderful experience. Of course, a large CPA firm, and I was there six years, left as a manager when I had our oldest son, Matthew. We have three boys, and I was blessed to be able to stay at home. That was our plan. We had really chosen to do that and saved up money in order for that to be an option And so I stayed at home, added two more children, two more boys, over about a 13-year period, stayed home. But I kept my CPA license current through that whole time and did some volunteer work, uh, quite a bit of that at the church and different organizations, but, but really kept my CPA license current for that option to go back to work. And then in 2003, really, January of that year, our youngest son had started kindergarten. And my husband told me, you know, you have a profession that can make money, so go forth. And, <laughs> and so, so I did. I, I started looking at different things just to work part-time. I was pretty happy with my volunteer life, but I, I did look at that. And interestingly, went to work for a local... We had moved from Austin to Georgetown during that time and actually have been here in Georgetown for about 23 years now but looked at just working part-time and you know how little towns are through our dentist kind of introduced me to a mom and pop tax office here. And Tom McDaniel and his wife, Linda, took me in to work just part-time. And I joke, it was about a week of part-time work and then it went full-time. And I was an audit at Ernst & Winnie, but I learned a lot of tax information and, and wanted to get into something a little bit different. And so that gave me that opportunity. And I worked for Tom and kind of didn't expect it at all. But that summer of '03, of he decided he wanted to run for county commissioner oh. and asked me to be his campaign manager. And so we had, of course, built relationships with a lot of folks in the area and I said, sure, that'd be, that sounds like a lot of fun, and did that, helped him, and he won. He had four opponents in the primary and one in the general, and, and he won that race. So that was kind of my accounting career to, into the first taste of politics, if you will. Interesting. My experience there with Tom helped me immensely. Of course, I was, he and I were the, and there was, I think, three CPAs at the time in the office, and about a year later, year and a half later, I guess, he encouraged me to run for district clerk. The district clerk was leaving after a long term in office, and 
suggested that I go in and, and try to update and really bring that office up into the current technological advances that had happened and, and really bring it up to speed. And so I thought, well, why not? Let's, let's look at that. I prayed about it. And my husband and I decided that we would go that route. And so in 2000, 2006 primary, that's what I was shooting for, ran for that office. I didn't know that I'd be running against what seemed to be an incumbent in office. She had also been in the office for a long time. So a week before the primary in March of 2006, Tom, after serving about a year and a half, I guess, dropped dead of a heart attack. Oh. And it was, like I said, a week before the primary. And I ended up losing that race. And it was really a blessing because I was the only CPA at that time then to help finish. And of course, as you know, February would be right in the heart of tax season and was able to stay there with Linda and help her get the tax returns done. And of course, with the help of, of other staff and got through that season. It was a very difficult season, obviously losing a friend and, and my boss to that quick, quick death. And, and so finished that year. But in the spring of that year, I was asked to run for his, his office. And it was a difficult decision. But at the same time, I thought that it was the right, right thing for me to do. And so I ran for that office in 2006 and won and have served since then. So, Oh, my gosh. That is, that is a very interesting story, how, how you've come to this point. Do you, if you don't mind, I have a couple questions. You mentioned, and I'm going way back, but this was interesting to me. You said the chemistry teacher suggested you look into accounting because it was a good profession for women. That's right. Yeah. He knew I liked math. It would just give me options. That's what he was trying to say. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was from a flexibility standpoint or just career options. Or Well, you know, as a, as a 17, 18-year-old, you don't really know what life holds. And most people don't know exactly what they want to do in life. And so I think that was great advice that he gave me. Mr. Guerrero was his name because it allowed me to pursue different, a variety of things, as you've seen, both big firm, small firm, audit, tax. I've lived in, you know, a couple of different places. And then also through volunteer work, just the skills that you develop in, in that profession, in our profession, would allow you to be able to do a lot of different things through life. Of course, not seeing what's ahead of you necessarily. Sure. Okay. Okay. I just had to ask because I... Yeah, I found that intriguing. And, and, and Mark, it wasn't because I didn't make good grades in, in chemistry, okay, because I had it all. Uh, <laughs> I was salutatorian in my class, okay. But, <laughs> but it, actually, our, our oldest son is a doctor, so I'm glad that chemistry made it through our family in some way. <laughs> oh, good, good. Actually, I'm active in the CPA Society. I was thinking, well, maybe that's what we should start doing is soliciting the, the chemistry teachers around the cities. <laughs> Maybe that's a secret. So I want to make sure I understood the details right. So you ran for district clerk and and didn't didn't win that. So your first position, if you will, office was the county commissioner. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. And you were asked to run? Who? Well, the way it works, it's kind of interesting because the primary had already occurred. And it was too late to, to hold another one. The precinct chairs of both the Republican and the Democrat Party 
provide a candidate, if you will, a le- you know, vote on a candidate to go on the general ballot in November. Okay. So the precinct chairs for the Republican Party asked me to serve as that candidate, and I had an opponent. I had two opponents in the Republican for that vote for that ballot position, and I won that. And then, then that was a vote with the precinct chairs. And then in November, I had a Democrat opponent. And in fact, it was funny. It was it was actually one of my son's future teachers. And I was thankful that he was he didn't hold any grudges. And I was just kidding. But he's he was a great he was very good teacher and had our oldest son in his future class the next year. But I did win that in in 2006. Now, I serve in precinct three. Precincts one and three run when the president runs. And so in 2006, of course, the governor ran then. It's a gubernatorial race. So precincts two, precincts four and the judge run when the governor runs. So I had to run again. It was a special election in 2006 because of the death of of the current commissioner. So I had to run again in 2008. Normally, it's a four-year term. Okay. So then I ran again in 2012 and 2016. Okay. I'm curious, how much longer do you, I don't know if this is a fair question, (laughs) how much longer do you see, I guess, running for county commissioner? Is this, do you have a a later goal in mind? Well, i plan to run again in 2020. We, again, run on four-year terms, so that would be my next election, and I am planning on running again for re-election. And so that's that's as far out in the future as I've looked at this point. Okay. Okay. I know so little about politics. I just had to ask. Well, actually, it's pretty interesting, Mark. Most, Most people don't know a lot about county government. You know, just, it's interesting. County government's really a unique a unique aspect of the layers of government. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that. But I find that to be true with most people. They don't, they don't really know what county government's about. So it's okay. been an interesting adventure for me. Actually, that is one of the questions that I had wanted to ask you because in preparation for this interview, I did a little research to see what a county commissioner actually does because the, the title isn't that descriptive, or at least it wasn't for me. And, and I'm thinking a large part of our audience may not know exactly. So what does a county commissioner do on a daily basis? What are, are your responsibilities? For the commissioner's court, we have four commissioners and a county judge. And we're basically the executive board, if you will, of the county. The commissioner's court is entrusted with the budget, which is, I feel, one of the most important things that we do. And we set the tax rate. We don't set the appraised value. That's a separate entity, the appraisal district. But, of course, together, the rate and the, and the property value get to your tax amount. And we also approve all contracts and set any policy for the county, as well as we have to approve anything that has any monetary impact. So most things come through the commissioner's court. We choose to meet each Tuesday. By law, we only have to meet once a month, I believe. But our business is, there's so much of it that we do take off some Tuesdays based on the holidays or whatever's going on, but we do typically meet every Tuesday. So, you know, in a large county like Williamson, we're over half a million people now. There's a lot of activities, a lot of, lot of contracts, a lot of budgetary issues that we deal with. So that's the that's the gist of it. There's a lot more to it, of course, and we make decisions within our precincts a lot, but 
most things have to come to commissioner's court. It takes a simple majority. So a quorum is three of us, and we have to be careful with that. We can't have more than two of us dealing with an issue that will come before the court to vote on, or it's a walking quorum, or we have to post the meeting. And so we have to be very careful with that. And I've been very interested in how we are moving forward in in our growth. And and we can talk about that, too, because we are a very fast-growing area. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Does the role of county commissioner allow for you to be able to work outside of that? Or is it it pretty much, does it pretty much take up all your time? (laughs) I guess that's what I'm trying to get down to. Sure. In Williamson County, it is a full-time job, I feel. Okay. In most counties, it's not. And in fact, I was just in in Jeff Davis County recently at Fort Davis. It was just some time off and wanted to go to West Texas and went to Big Bend and the wonderful experience over there. But in in visiting with uh, the county judge in in Fort Davis, they they have one JP instead of four like we have. They hire out for their jail and we don't. So there's a lot of differences across the state in size. But, of course, my home county of Atascosa would not require a commissioner to be a full-time commissioner. And in smaller counties, most of your duties probably, except for the budget, of course, annually revolve around roads and road maintenance. We in, in Williamson County a number of years ago went to a unified road system so that we have one group doing that for all of us as opposed to each of us having our, I call them big boy toys, the big maintainers and big vehicles that would do the road maintenance. We have those, but they work throughout the county. So it's a a lot different here and in the urban counties. And especially over the last decade or two, we have grown so much that it definitely is a full-time job. And, you know, I, I worked for Linda McDaniel for an extra year after Tom had died and after I'd become commissioner and worked one more season tax season in order to help her get through that. But I really focused on the larger clients because it was very difficult, especially trying to learn the job and and do well at at it. I I didn't want to do poorly at either. So I I chose to be a full-time commissioner and I'm glad I did. I do keep my CPA license current and I'm able to do something with that perhaps in the future. But right now I am a full-time commissioner. Okay. Okay. What's led to the rapid growth? Well, I believe that multiple things. One is just a beautiful place to live. We're we're right on the edge of the hill country, Austin. Of course, I-35 is a big contributing factor. Williamson County is the county just north of Travis County, where Austin is. And and so we have a lot of folks that live here. They like the safety aspect of living in Williamson County. They like the schools and then just the environment that we have here and then are able to work in, in Austin. We are trying to bring more businesses here to Williamson County so that folks can stay here and not have to travel down to Austin because the traffic is, is pretty horrible. And we've done a lot of work on roads up here to keep it from mirroring Austin and Travis. But, but I think that that's part of it. Uh, I-35 definitely has an impact, and you can see the growth. I mean, just the growth between San Antonio and Austin with really San Marcos, and, and all the areas really up through that area that we're just going to be one big city look and, you know, feel at some point in time. And I think that more people are coming. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. We also have in Georgetown, I'm sure Dale told you, but we have Sun City 
here in Georgetown. And it it's a city of its own. It really is. I think my hometown, when I was growing up, had maybe 7,000 people. And Sun City has probably 12,000, 10 to 12,000 people in it already. And they're still building. So that has drastically changed our landscape in what has been built here with shopping malls and and different stores, different businesses that have that have come up. But also the industry for age appropriate facilities, a lot of those have popped up around, especially in Georgetown, but also around in the county. So various reasons, but we are definitely experiencing growth. Okay. Well keeping our audience in mind, accountants, what do you feel that accountants that may be thinking you know, they have aspirations to, to go into politics, should know about it? Or, or what surprised you, you know, since you've been in that world? Well, as far as the political environment you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. The political environment can be brutal. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. just ask my husband, okay? <laughs> but I think people in general don't trust government. And so I think integrity is the most important character trait, really, that you can demonstrate. And, of course, integrity is vital as a CPA, too. And it's one of the traits that when someone comes to you and entrusts you with their information and gives you that knowledge, that is something as a CPA we are entrusted with and we need to hold it in a special place that we don't lose that trust. And I believe that those skills and, and those character traits lend well to government, especially these days, as I said, where most don't trust government. And I think that you have to prove, just in as a CPA, you have to prove that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And you need to produce. When you say you're going to get a return done at a certain time, you need to do it. When you're going to do an audit, you're going to do what you say you're going to do throughout that audit plan. And you know it's the same as in, in government. When we are trying to help someone address an issue, They want to know that when we leave that meeting, that we're not going to just forget about that issue. We're going to go do our homework and and get it done. So I see a lot of similarities in the two professions, and I've been able to really pull on my experiences as a CPA and the skills that you learn and develop in my role as commissioner. Okay. You know, if we just made it one of the state requirements that you have to become a CPA before you can run for office, we could probably solve so many problems. (laughs) I definitely, I will say this. I I think that that would be very helpful. Now, I'm not sure we want all CPAs. We need some other professions too, but it would be helpful definitely to serve in a local office, whether it be city or county, before you run for state office and definitely federal because I am so, I'm close to the people. I'm right here. They find me at grocery store, at Walmart. They find me at football games, at church, wherever I am. And it's a wonderful connection that you make at the local level. And you really hear from people. They really tell you how they feel. And they know how to find me. And that's a good thing. And so I do think that it would be a very helpful learning experience for anybody that serves at a higher level to to have served at the local level. Okay. I'm probably a little biased on the whole CPA thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what have you enjoyed the most about serving the public? I mean, because you've been doing it a while and you have plans to continue. So what what keeps you doing this? Well, I, I like helping people if I can. It's rewarding. I think trying to restore trust in government, at least in this office, we're going to do what we say we're going to do. 
Okay. And I'm, I'm a very conservative person, so I, I want to see our county continue to grow and develop and be managed in a professional way and in a conservative light. I've enjoyed getting to know a lot of people that I would not have met in any other way and really learn about a lot of different subject matters. That's one thing that I've really noticed, Mark, in this job is that I've learned a lot about a lot of different things. And whether it be transportation or you mentioned mental health, habitat, endangered species, I serve in that capacity and and many other things that I've learned along the way. It's just, it's really interesting uh, job. And so I, I enjoy that. I'll enjoy learning and, and trying to improve my skills in, in any way. And I guess just bottom line, trying to make a difference. I really want to continue to make good decisions and, and want the county to make good decisions because it's important because I live here. It's important because I've raised my children here and I want to see others come here and, and have a great life too. And so I think for all those reasons, I still have multiple projects in play and I want to see those through. We can talk more in detail about different specifics, but I guess that's in, in general why I enjoy this this job and we'll continue okay. it if, if the voters choose to allow me to. Okay. Actually, you segued well into this. One of the things I did want to ask you about, I, I read online that says on the Williamson County website, actually, Commissioner Covey has taken a keen interest in mental health issues. Can you tell us more about that? And, and actually, some of the other nonprofits you've been involved in. I, I was curious, I guess, from what angle and mental health issues, you know, specifically meaning what? Could you tell us more about that? Sure. I've served on the mental health task force that we've put together here in Williamson County since I've become commissioner. And in an effort to look at a very important issue like mental health, which I'm sad to say is a continually growing issue. And especially in a county like Williamson, who is in the top five fastest growing counties you know, in our state and continually has been for a couple of decades now. So that is an ever-growing issue. We are also very close to Fort Hood. And the proximity to Fort Hood just across the county line in Bell County has allowed folks to, to live here and we want them to. But it's also, we've also seen an uptick in, in our mental health issues, especially with the numerous deployments that have occurred over the, the last years. And so it's an issue that's important to me on, on multiple levels. One, just with my CPA hat on and, and a financial aspect, having mental health patients in our jail is a very expensive way of dealing with the issue. And it's not the best way. Besides the expense and, and the fact that that is an ever-growing cost, it's not the best thing for the person. And we have really worked diligently and tried a lot of out-of-the-box thinking on how to divert those people so that they never end up in our jail. And we've really worked at that along with our partners in, in mental health, specifically our local mental health authority, Blue Bonnet Trails. They cover multiple counties around, actually around the San Antonio Bear County area and up into Williamson. And we've looked at ways to keep people from ever entering our jail system and trying to get them resources that they need. Sometimes people just get off their meds. And when they do that, they get disoriented. And perhaps, for example, they trespass. Well, trespassing 
if we can get them back on their meds and get them back into society in a productive way, that's what's important. Not arresting them and having them sit in jail where it's costing us more and it's not getting the help that they need. So that's kind of was very interesting to me, and I wanted to pursue that. And so I've been to the legislature multiple times to testify and not just ask for more money because that's not what I'm about. I'm about let's see what works and let's put money toward that. And if it doesn't work, let's stop doing it and try something else. And we've really done a very good job of trying to keep people out of the state hospitals, which are usually on diversion because they're overrun with patients. And we've done a lot of good things. We actually have two mental health hospitals here in Williamson County, and they're actually in Georgetown. So we're partnering with them, too, and, our, and of course, Blue Bonnet Trails to provide more mental health beds. And I, I don't know, I just think that, that that's an issue that most people don't realize in their day-to-day unless they have someone in their life that has mental health issues, but it's an important issue. We've also seen an increase in suicides, and not just at the adult level, although we do see quite a few there, but also in schools. And our precious children need to know that there's hope and that that's not the way that they need to go. And so we're, we're working diligently with all of our partners. Of course, in the county, we have helped fund some different aspects that will address mental health issues. Mobile outreach team, which are mental health workers, as well as our law enforcement that are specially trained to look for mental health issues before they just arrest them and put them in jail. And so trying to get resources to these folks. And I think, Mark, that's really where I guess my heart has been for the last decade is trying to get the right resources to these folks to help them be productive citizens. And then there's some that are, you know, just going to need constant help. And we're trying, actually, we're going to try a new thing this next year in trying to really look at our folks that are constantly calling us. And they're the high utilizers and they take up a lot of resources, but more importantly, they need specific help that if we can help them before they have to continually call us, unless of course it's a 911 emergency call, we always want that uh, for them to call. But if we can help them get resources before they call us repeatedly, that's the better way to address those issues. So my heart is there and and we're, we're really trying to continue to develop good plans for that arena. Okay, wonderful. I knew there was more to it, and, and it's, a, it's a complex area, and so I... Very much so. And it is important. And, and you know, Mark, it, especially with suicide, it's, it's a difficult concept because people don't want to talk about it. It's an area that if people just knew what to look for in their loved ones, their friends, their coworkers, perhaps we could stop some of the suicides from, from occurring. So that's what our goal is. Well, before we get to the final questions, because I, I want to be respectful of your time, you mentioned also that, that you're involved in a few other nonprofit or charitable kind of organizations earlier. I am. Meals on Wheels is, a, is something that I have supported personally for a number of years. And recently, last couple of years, I am now on the board for opportunities for Williamson Burnett Counties. And it's, it's both Meals on Wheels as well as a Head Start. And also some other aspects trying to help folks with living situations and and utility assistance. But the Meals on Wheels aspect in Williamson County and Burnett Counties, our churches help run the meals to people. And I am always promoting that and, and hope that people will give 
to that organization because it's a wonderful organization. Of course, I would love for people to give to opportunities in Williamson and Burnett counties, but where Meals on Wheels provides meals, I want to encourage people to support that. I'm also involved in Habitat for Humanity and, again, personally provide resources for that, but also, again, through our church and and then through the county trying to find land that Habitat can work with the local community to, to be able to create a good home environment. I like it because it's sweat equity, Mark. It's not just a handout. The people that are involved in Habitat have to qualify and they, they, have to, they are actually buying the house. It's just at a very reduced rate and they help them because the cost of building the home is less. And there's a lot of donations that go into it, a lot of just really sweat equity on the part of the new owner, but also on the volunteers. I will say that I have actually participated in a Women Build Day, and we built a house down in Round Rock, and I drive by it periodically just to make sure it's still standing, and I'm glad to say that it is. I'm just kidding, but it really is a wonderful experience to be able to work alongside others that you may not even know and put together a home that somebody can can treasure and and raise a family and and have a productive life. And it's a wonderful thing. So I would encourage anyone to, if they're looking for a a group to donate to, either one of those would be wonderful. Those are very worthy organizations. And we'll, we'll put links to those in the show notes that go online as well. Great. Thank you. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions. It gives us some consistency and and just some good flow between episodes. The first one is usually the easiest. What has been your proudest moment? Well, in my personal life, I'll have to say 32 years of marriage to my husband, Mark Covey, and three wonderful and successful sons, as well as a wonderful daughter-in-law. And I guess as county commissioner, it's a humbling experience to have people trust you to vote for you, and I've been, as I mentioned before, elected and re-elected multiple times, and that's a, it's a very wonderful and humbling experience, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think trying to help provide professional management for a very fast-growing county. We have a lot of debt in our county. We didn't talk about that, but we have a lot of debt, $800 million roughly to a billion dollars of debt, and it's something that's been important for our transportation really transportation goals, and the the people have voted for it, but managing that debt and trying to pay it off as early as possible, we have achieved a AAA bond rating, and even doing so in the economic downturn. So being able to use my skills in trying to help conservatively and professionally manage a very growing county, I think is very important. And we also, during that downtime, didn't lay off one employee. So I think that that was a good moment to look back on in a, in a very difficult time. I think also approving our long-range transportation plan, which is actually for the total build-out of our county, not just a knee-jerk, well, we need to go do this road and do this improvement, but actually planning for the future development of our county so that we don't end up like a an Austin or a Travis County where it's difficult to get around, but be able to plan ahead and and develop it in a great way so people will enjoy living here and it'll be wonderful. Uh, We have great parks. We have great cities. It's a wonderful place to live. And so I think those are some of my proudest moments as commissioner. Of course, hopefully my proudest moment hasn't occurred yet as I continue to serve. So That's a good point. 
Well, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the more colossal, the better. (laughs) The more colossal, the better. Well, I'll have to say the one that comes to mind first is a project, a road project. A number of years ago, really back in 2007, beginning of 2008, commissioner, a fellow commissioner that we share a boundary, and I noticed that so many homes were being platted on SH-29. And for us, SH-29 is an east-west corridor that is a pass-through, really a, a, an area where TxDOT sends all of the oversized vehicles from really Houston to West Texas, but also it's a, a very highly trafficked area. And with a lot of homes being platted through there, we knew that if we didn't plan ahead for that road to be widened one day, that we would be in bad, in bad shape. And it would, it would be less money to buy dirt than it would be to buy buildings and homes. So we set out on, an, on a mission to plan for the future development. And what we didn't do well, I think, and what I have tried to do better since is communication. And in, in our job, communication is extremely important because people don't know what's going on unless you tell them. And if you don't tell them, the void is filled with inaccurate information. And it was pretty ugly there for a while. I remember angry people. They thought we were going to go through homes and knock down a bunch of homes to put a big road up. And that was not our goal at all. In fact, we didn't want to take any homes. That's why we were planning ahead. And we were able to achieve our goal of of weaving a future roadway around existing buildings and homes and golf courses. But at the time, I think the mistake that I made that I've really tried to correct is allowing others to speak and not monitoring that conversation enough. And then also not making sure at that time and making sure now that people understand what the true goal is and getting their buy-in. I think that that's, that's crucial. But, oh yeah, Mark, we went to a meeting in Liberty Hill, Texas at the high school cafeteria and a lot of angry people showed up in red shirts. And it was a, a meeting that I will never forget and one that I was glad we had security there actually. I don't think anybody meant physical harm, but they were very angry at what they perceived to be the project, and it was not at all what the project was about. In fact, we've done exactly what we said we'd do. We, we would try to figure out where a road could go one day when four lanes need to be widened to frontage roads and, and main lanes, and we also made some very important improvements at intersections along the way. But it took, a, it took a number of years. And of course, I was up for re-election in 2008. So that was an interesting time too. I, was, I had to spend a lot of money and, and, and time trying to get the truth out about what we were doing. And I've learned a lot about that. In fact, we're doing a lot of road projects now and I am in front of the project, hopefully, and not behind it in getting communication out and truth out to what we're doing. It's worked much better since then. <laughs> So, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I can see how for, particularly for an accountant, you know, we we tend to be a little more humble individuals and I can see how the natural thought would be, well, I'm not so concerned what other people are saying. We're just going to do the right thing. But in your role, you you have to monitor the public conversation and, and know what else is being said. Otherwise, you're right. It gets filled with inaccurate information. And, That's right. Well, our our communication system in our office, I'll I'll put it up against anyone's. When we do road projects, we send out weekly emails 
or biweekly or, you know, as the project is going on as necessary. But we send out communications to neighborhoods. We allow them to send out information to, you know, to their folks through the HOAs or neighborhood blogs or, or whatever the avenue is. And we really do try to communicate well what we're doing so that people know. And I think, I think once people understand what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish, they will get behind it. And as well, we, we tell them, hey, look, it's going to be really bad today on this road. Don't go this way. Go the other way, you know, an alternate way in and out of your neighborhood. I think they appreciate that. And we have had no problems like we had then since that time because we have done a better job. So I, I've, I learned a big lesson at that point. And it's always good to learn from your mistakes, I truly believe. And, and uh, so hopefully we have in that aspect. Wonderful. Well, last question, and then we'll say goodbye. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Well, that's a hard one to narrow it down. So off the top of my head, start each day with prayer. I ask for guidance and wisdom. I think, too, don't be afraid to say that you don't know the answer, but that I'll find out and get back to you. I think being truthful and sincere is very important, whether you're a CPA or a county commissioner or both. I think that that goes a long way with people because they expect us to know everything, whether, again, we're a CPA or an elected official, and sometimes we don't know, but we need to, we can find out and get back to them. I think that's important. And then I guess one thing I've said a lot in our office is that we can be upset and you can write that email, but don't put the receiver's name in the box (laughs) (laughs) so that you don't accidentally hit send. And I think that that has helped us a lot. And of course, we typically hopefully throw those emails away. I think a meeting in person is much better than an email anyway. So I think that those would be some of the best advice as far as professionally goes. Thank you very much. I I had to laugh because I've tried to get in the habit myself of not filling in the the two address until the the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just the safest way, Mark. And and also to sleep on it. After a good night's sleep or at least some time to pass, I think you see things a little bit differently, a little clearer. And, you know, it doesn't matter what your profession is. But especially as a CPA, as you work very closely with people and in politics, as you work very closely with people, it's important to, to get that relationship right. And sometimes people are just angry and upset. You need to let them vent, listen to them, be a good listener, but don't react with anger because it doesn't help the relationship. It doesn't help you accomplish any of your goals. And so our office has been very good about that, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for my great staff. Rachel and Deborah have done a great job to help me in that role. So That is wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. This has been a, a great interview. And you know, as you said, I'm sure politics can be brutal, but it, it does seem like a wonderful career choice if you are willing to put in the effort to try to make a difference. So I thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for the interview. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I encourage all CPAs and those thinking about being a CPA to get your certification. Don't stop short. It's a difficult process, I know, but don't discount the importance of it. And it does open doors and it does give you opportunities for a variety of things in your life that you have no idea will come your way. Very true. Very true. Well, thank you so much for your time. You have a great week. Thank you. 
Well, that was Valerie Covey, County Commissioner for Williamson County in Texas, and a currently licensed CPA as well. I really appreciated her best pieces of advice there at the end. She gave us a few, but I really got a kick out of the practical advice regarding not filling in the two email address until you've typed out everything else. It really can save you some embarrassment in the long run. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Please do remember to share the podcast and our home website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com with a friend. We continue to grow each and every week, but we couldn't do it without wonderful listeners such as yourself. Until next week, I wish you the best. We'll be back soon. There's more to come.